I'm happy to offer my welcome to those of you joining us at Christ Journey, Christ Journey family, our campuses here in Coral Gables, Kendall Campus, Miami Beach Campus, live streaming to those campuses in real time today, and also Church Online, whether you're joining us through one of our social media networks or our Church Online platform. We're so thankful to have you with us as we begin a new series, Explore God, and um, one of the mysteries of life is this. You can be far from God, and yet at the same time, God can be close to you. So close, Scripture says he's not far from any of us. No matter how far we feel like we are from him, God is not far from us. And that if we turn in faith, that that moment instantaneously can be that creative opportunity that gives birth to the reality of your experience of God. May this be that day for you. Whether it's your first time with us, or maybe you're an every time comer, you know? (laughs) Whatever, however, and especially if you're a guest, thank you so much for honoring us with your presence, accepting the invitation to come, and we hope you'll do it again. But today, especially since the encouragement and maybe some fresh insight uh, for your life. And if you're one of those who's been before and are coming again, then I'm praying that for you as well that you will have encouragement from today and some fresh insight for your mind, perhaps and a challenge to take you to the next level in your experience of God. So we're not just exploring God, but prayerfully, we will be experiencing God as well. Now, it felt like the young man was just blindsided. Blindsided. And then suddenly swamped with all the questions of life. Does life have any ultimate meaning or purpose? Or do you just make it up along the way until you die? What's the point of it all? His mom and his dad had worked hard all their lives, all his life, to put food on the table, clothes on their back, roof overhead. Uh, his dad, though not exactly what people would consider a, uh, an academic all-star, <laughs> Worked hard to finish a college degree and then went on, finished graduate school, and then landed the job of his dreams only to have it swept away by powers beyond his control and then put the family in a financial tailspin for a couple decades. While that was happening, this young man who had been blindsided and then suddenly swamped by all these questions of life, uh, actually raised to do right, somewhere along the way started drifting, turning, and actually leading a double life. There was one that was publicly presentable and another one not so much. He started doing drugs, he turned to pleasure, hedonism, petty theft, shoplifting along the way, and... um, And though schooling came easier to him than to his dad, he still wasn't getting answers to the questions that he had. Like, you know, what's the point? You get a degree, you get a job, you work hard all your life for the man, and then maybe you get a little bit of time off, and then you do this every year, and then you die. What's the point? Does life have a purpose? Drugs were taking their toll, futility was closing in. And suicide looked like a way out. Now, I know that story's true because I'm the young man. That's my story. And, uh, and at my lowest point, <laughs> I experienced my greatest discovery in life. 
But at the heart of that whole journey and struggle that I was having was this question, does life have a purpose? Is there a point to it all? What is life for? It was like, maybe you don't think about this kind of stuff, but at the time, I'm telling you, for some reason, it was front burner on the top, top, the stovetop of my life. And I had to get some answers, and I wasn't getting them. What is life for? What gives life meaning? Why am I here? What's the point? And then along the way in my studies, I started discovering that I'm not the only one who asked this question. Leo Tolstoy, for instance, one of the greatest authors of all time, wrote this. What is life for? To die? To kill myself at once? No, I'm afraid. To wait for death until it comes? No, I fear that even more. Then I must live. But what for? In order to die? Where's the meaning? How do you make sense out of that? The American journalist uh, Ernest Hemingway, who was so fond of Key West and loved Cuba, He said, life is just a dirty trick. In his reflection upon this, a short journey from nothingness to nothingness. Is that true? How would you know different? The philosopher Henry David Thoreau that we many of us read in school, he wrote, the mass of men live lives of quiet desperation. I'd seen that in my dad. I was feeling it in me. Maybe you have too. Quiet desperation. Viktor Frankl, the neurologist, the psychiatrist, the Holocaust survivor from the Nazi concentration camps of World War II, he wrote this book, Man's Search for Meaning, and in it his premise is essentially this. Every human being is motivated by a will to meaning. That means we want to, we want to know what the purpose is. We want to know why. We want to know how, how does it make sense, this inner pull to find meaning in life. Now, if you relate to that, <laughs> then you're not going to find it any surprise that ancient Scripture would wrestle with this same question. There's a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And it essentially is an intellectual expose of, that was written 3,000 years ago about this very topic. Written from the perspective of the most rich, powerful, accomplished, and knowledgeable leader of the time, King Solomon. And yet, here's how he begins. And so, uh, you, heads up, this, this may be sounding like a downer approach. <laughs> so I want to give you a little clue on the front end. It, it starts like this, verse 2, meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Now on that happy note, he starts uh, gathering the evidence for his claim. Verse 3, what does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? You get up every day, you work hard. For what reason? He says, all things are wearisome. It's just wearing me out. More than I can say. The eye never has enough of seeing. The ear doesn't get its fill of hearing. That's his version of Mick Jagger saying, I can't get no satisfaction. That's what he means. You know, I, I do everything and it's never enough. So, verse 12, I devoted myself to study. First, he starts with hard work. He's going to succeed. Then in verse 12, he says, so I devoted myself to study. I hit the books. 
I went to school. I'm going to figure it out by knowledge, only to conclude this. Just a few verses later, he says, this is a heavy burden. This is heavy. People who start trying to figure out why bring heaviness on themselves that leads to futility. Everything we do, he concludes, is like chasing the wind. You can, it feels like you should be able to hold it, but you can't. You try to grasp it, and it's not there. It's like, he, he says, it's like one of those big soap bubbles, you know, that it looks so pretty, and it's shiny, but it's empty, and it's very fragile. Or do you remember the first time you bit into one of those Easter, or one of those uh, chocolate bunnies and discovered it was hollow? Was that disappointing? So I thought I was going to get some solid here. But no, this is hollow. This is what he's saying about his studies. He thought he was going to jump in. He's going to get the real stuff. And he says, man, it's just like an empty bubble. Knowledge brought him disappointment. I remember a reading as a university student, reading a report from the intelligentsia of our day about world affairs, global hunger, population crisis, environmental issues. And the intelligentsia of the day concluded this way. They actually said this. Those who know the most are the most gloomy. What are you supposed to do with that? Well, I can tell you what you do. Well, verse 18, this is uh, Solomon's conclusion too. With much wisdom comes much sorrow. So the more knowledge, the more grief. So what are you going to do? Well, this is where that quote, ignorance is bliss, fits in. You know, where ignorance is bliss... Tis folly to be wise, the intellectual says. So we just ignore it. You know, we just go on doing the hamster drill in our little rotator, right? So what are you going to do? He says, he says, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And they're going to party it up. So he says this, I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. You just need to lighten up some, man. This is so serious. You need some laughter. You need some drinking. You need to cheer yourself up with wine, he says. And so he looks to entertainment, to foolishness, to silliness. He says, we're just going to have fun, you know. We just want to have fun. Only to conclude, that just left me empty. Left me wanting more. It's all like chasing wind. It, I feel the wind, but I can't hold on to it. What's going on here? So you know what he tries next? Achievement. Verse 4, I undertook great projects. Going to make a name. Going to leave a mark. I built houses for myself. Vineyards, gardens, parks. He owns slaves, lots of them. He amasses incredible treasures. He's got a personal harem. And with all of his wealth and his fame and his accomplishments, he's known far and wide. But then he says this, verse 15, this too is meaningless. This is empty. This is unsatisfactory. Now, time out just for a second. Somebody's thinking, that can't be. You know, we've been raised in our culture to say the more material stuff, the more power, the more influence. You know, no, that doesn't lead to emptiness. He says, yes, it does. We said, no, it can't be. That must have been back then, not today. How about hear what Jim Carrey says? Comedian, movie star, he says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. You can footnote that online. That's not fake news. That's a personal quote. Ah, he's just a movie star. What does he know? Okay, well, let's talk about a professional athlete, Tom Brady, after multiple Super Bowl wins. CBS is doing an interview of him on, 20, uh, on um, 
on 60 Minutes, and after winning one of those Super Bowls, Brady says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings, and I still, I still think there's something greater out there for me? He goes on, I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me? I think, God, it's gotta be more than this. It's gotta be more than this. I mean, I can't, this can't be it. This can't be what it's cracked up to be. I've done it, I'm 27. And what else is there for me? Gotta be more. Solomon says the same thing. You know what? He's at the top of his game. He's got everything. He's firing on all cylinders. He's got wealth, knowledge, pleasure, achievement, fame. And he says, it's not the answer. There's got to be more. So what's his conclusion? Get over to chapter 12, verse 1. He says, remember your creator. That's where his bottom line takes him. And then he says, verse 13, now that all's been heard, here's my conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Okay, wait a minute. Did you see that coming? Maybe some of you have known the story before. You've read it. You already knew the end of the book. But maybe some of us didn't. Maybe this is the first time you heard the story. And he comes to the bottom line. He says, here's what I've learned. Fear, commandments, duty. What? Not exactly 21st century words. Right? But if we look a little bit closer, the understanding that's behind those words, my take on it is this. Human beings find their life meaning and their purpose by living in relationship with God, their creator. Human beings find their life purpose by living in relationship with God, their creator. Now, in doing that, what happens is you are connected with a larger source than your stuff or than yourself. And the way they understood it 3,000 years ago in the progress of revelation at that time was that God made his will known through his law. And if you could align to the laws of God, then you're going to be closer to the heart of God. And that's what he was doing his best in his wisdom to say. So in other words, to honor God, the God who made you, you honor the God who made you by aligning to the commands he gave you. And that was as far as it went for him. Now let's fast forward ahead. Let's skip ahead another 1,000 years. That was 3,000 years ago. Let's skip ahead to 2,000 years ago. And now, according to the New Testament, there's somebody on the scene, Jesus of Nazareth. The word of God made flesh to dwell among us and then to be full of grace and truth And he's having a conversation with a man 2,000 years ago who's been trying to do what Solomon said. You get to know God by keeping his commandments. You align your life to the laws. And his name was Nicodemus, and his story is told in John chapter 3, verse 1. It says there was a man of the Pharisees, a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now, as such, what that means is he would have been educated, full of knowledge, a man of position, wealth, power, and influence, and possibly serving on the supreme religious court of the nation. It's like the Supreme Court, right? And yet with all of that going for him, he finds Jesus early in the Gospel of John. He comes to him after dark so other people won't see him coming because, you know, he's the one who's supposed to have it all. But he's coming to Jesus. He's got it all, but he's coming to Jesus saying there's got to be more. And, and you might have it because we know that the th- no one could perform the miracle signs that you're doing if God were not with him. And so he's paying closer attention. It's like he says, I have all of these things. I have wealth, power, position, knowledge, education. I have training in the laws of God. And they're nice, but they're not enough. 
He was looking for more. Maybe you are too today. And where Jesus went with him, he said, you, uh, you gotta be born again. You have to be born of the Spirit to find the meaning that you seek. So it's not that these things aren't good. That these good things in life aren't good. The pursuit of knowledge, the pursuit of wisdom, achievement, enjoyment, affluence, influence, impact. Jesus isn't saying those are bad things. No, those are all good gifts from God. But if they are pursued without God, then they will ultimately lead to the place Solomon found himself, dead ends, or a maze of futility that when you get to the top of your mountain, you go, is this it? But if you pursue them as your source of meaning, as the reason you exist, you're going to hit disappointment. Only God can give the meaning you seek. That's what Solomon was saying. That's what Jesus is saying. It's a spiritual longing that must be met in a spiritual way which gives us pause just for a second. Whether you agree with that or not, maybe this is the first time you've heard anything like this, but why would God do it that way? That's a good question to ask. Whether you agree or not, why would God do it that way? And the answer the New Testament gives, the answer the apostles and Jesus gives, is because that's how God is. When you really get to know God, God is life. God is light. God is love. This is like a great question, but what he's saying is satisfaction isn't something that you find apart from God. Satisfaction isn't something that God gives you. Satisfier is what God is. So when you know God, you know satisfaction. Satisfaction isn't something something God gives. Satisfaction is something God is. And when God is our meaning maker, he brings that meaning into every endeavor and activity of our lives. Eating, drinking, whatever it is we do can all be full of the glory of God, except sin. Not sin. Why not sin? Because sin, by definition, leaves God out. It, it replaces God with self as the meaning maker. And if you do that, you're going to wind up with what self can give. And sooner rather than later, you're going to be facing the end of your life as you know it and wondering what's the point. But the meaning that God gives, he said, you know, don't do that. Let the true God be your God and then life will become more true. We want to be authentic, don't we? We want to be real. We don't want to fake it. And so what Solomon and Jesus are saying is that God made you for real to express himself really in you and through you in relationship to you. Uh, Pascal was a mathematician, physician, scientist, theologian, wrote in the 17th century. We're getting closer to today, so hang with me. This is what he said. What else does this craving, this helplessness proclaim? But that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is an empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not the help that he cannot find in those that are, though none can help, because this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite, immutable object. In other words, by God himself. 
Now, if that all sounds too heady out there for us to get to, you know what he's trying to say in the shorthand version? There's a God-sized hole in your heart that only God can fill. God made you for himself and wants you to know him personally as God's self and show you how the fit feels. The God who made you, made you so he could satisfy you all by himself. And then he brings that satisfaction into all the rest of life. This is part of what John means when he says God is love. That God brings that life-satisfying affirmation into all of who you are. Paul nails it when he's writing to a sophisticated audience in, on, in Europe in Colossae, and he says this, all things, he's talking to philosophers, all things are created by him and for him, and in him all things hold together. That word simply means cohere. They find their coherence, their purpose, and their meaning. Life becomes coherent. Life makes sense when you are connected to God through Christ. In other words, God has a purpose for your life. This is the message of the new covenant of Jesus, of the apostles. You will find that purpose when you are connected in faith relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that, that message echoes all through Scripture in the Revelation. In Jeremiah, God tells him, I, I know the plans I have to give my people future and a hope. God has plans for you. And he wants you in on those plans for good. King David Acts chapter 13 reflects on him. He said, David served God's purpose in his generation. God has a purpose for you in your generation as well. In Romans 8, Paul says, God's working for good in all things for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So it's like, no, God has a purpose for your life. Yes, life has a purpose. Its purpose is in knowing God and being connected in God's love through Jesus Christ in a way that fills your life with his life. And if God has a plan for you, then the question is this. You should probably get in on that plan, don't you think? If you want life to have purpose and meaning. So whose plan are you working on? Yours apart from God or the plan God has for you with God. Those are the choices here. And this is why Jesus says, here's my recommendation. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let God be your true God and then his righteousness so that he puts the pieces together and all this, these things. What's that? That's the stuff. That's the stuff of life that we just talked about. Education, relationships, family, future, achievement, pleasure, all of that. It doesn't go away. It just gets richer because now it's cohering, holding together in Christ, in God. This means seek God's leadership in the way you go about your day. And then you'll find out for yourself how God meets your needs. Now, I read recently that one of the most fast-growing religions in America is what's called practical atheism. Practical atheism. That's where people claim to believe in God, but they live as if he didn't exist. It's great for Sunday religion. Claim to believe in God, but then live as if he doesn't exist. That's not what Jesus is talking about. And it may be why so many people in our culture and world today, don't even stop to give Jesus a chance. Brendan Manny is uh, author of the wonderful book, Ragamuffin Gospel. He said, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today, I don't know if you agree with this, is Christians who acknowledge God with their lips, but then they walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. 
what lifestyle are we talking about? Well, what if we just back up to the one we started with? <laughs> who said, no, the real purpose that some people who say they're Christians are alive is to make money, is to get power, is to wield influence, is to do achievements, is to go their own way to say, oh yeah, I believe as if there is a God, but then their lifestyle says, no, I don't, I believe that I'm God. And then other people who don't know God look in and say, that's not God. That looks like me because I'm living the same way. To the exclusion of spiritual growth and following Jesus. The less than real shows up in a world that's accustomed to what less than real looks like. And Jesus, Solomon and Jesus both say that kind of living, practical atheism, will take you into a dead end where you may get all the stuff you wanted and you may get the achievements you longed for and you may get the education you desired and still find yourself on a dead end or in the maze of futility or you can do your life with your God in relationship with him as your life-giving creator and then experience the godness of his gift to you in grace and truth in life. This His life comes alive in you. That's what it means to be born again, born of the Spirit, is that God's Spirit life comes alive in you and then that starts influencing every part of who you are and what you do. No part is left out. Your relational life, your academic life, your achievement life, your recreational life, God brings his goodness and his love into every part of your life. And then that breeds more life, because that's what life does. Life lives. And then as it breeds life, it breathes life into your marriage, into your family, into your future. That's the plan. So what's your next step? This is I don't know if you agree with this, but I would tell you, if you, what's your next step if you would like to get to there? Well, the first one I'd suggest is an easy one. Maybe this is your first time to be with us. An easy step is come again. Just come next week. You know what we're going to talk about next week? Proof for the existence of God. Anybody ever said that to you? Well, prove it. Okay, next week I'm going to try. So if you got somebody who needs proof then you might want to bring them along and see what they think, okay? But that's the next step, the easy next step. If you'd like to get in on God's purpose is maybe just get a little closer to the conversation. Come again or bring a friend with you and then talk about it afterwards. Speaking of talking about it, here's another step that you can get connected to an Explore God group. We've been connecting for a while, but it's not too late. You can still get involved in a discussion group where what you heard me talk about, you can go and deconstruct it. You can go and talk about it. You can chat it up with some other people that are thinking people like you, and you can enter into the conversation with them in a, in a Explore God discussion group. Some are being offered on campus. We have dozens that are being offered in homes across our county, so you may connect in that. You can make a list of your biggest questions about God and bring it to the group, and then just say, what do you do with these? And then let's all be honest and curious together. This doesn't have to become an argument. We can actually have thinking conversations about this. And ask God. Write them on your Connect card. Bring them to somebody. Talk about them, you know? Now, I mentioned that my lowest point, at my lowest point, I made the greatest discovery of my life. What was that discovery? Here was my assessment of it. God is real. God cares about me. God wants to know me wants me to know him, and then God has a purpose for me. He wants my life in on his purpose, and I got to tell you, 
I'm not so special that I'm the only one. <laughs> I'm looking at a room full of special people. I'm talking to a, a global audience of special people. God cares about you. God wants to know you and you to know God. And God wants you to experience the meaning of his purpose in your life. That doesn't mean he's going to make preachers out of everybody. It means that he's going to bring you in your gifts and your skills and your passions and your education to make a difference that's going to make an eternal impact in the lives of people. And that is what he's hoping for. Maybe you wouldn't disagree. What's your next step? Just say, God, if that's true, I'm willing. I'm open. Just show me the next step. Not the next mile, the next step. And then just take the next step with him and see where that takes you. Now, for some of you, uh, you, those of you who are seeking God's purpose for your life in a new and fresh way, maybe you've been part of the Christ Journey family for a while. You've been on journey for a while. And you're saying, man, the new year is here and I'm ready for a new I need some freshness in my life. Maybe things have kind of gotten stagnant a little bit. Maybe you sort of drifted or feel like you got stuck a little bit. Uh, I have something for you, and it goes with an update from the Miami Beach campus. I can give you an update on Miami Beach in three words, door, core, and more. Would you say open door? Open door. That's what God has given us on Miami Beach. In an unprecedented way, Miami Beach High School, by their invitation, has invited us to come to the beach and establish a vibrant new opportunity of community, faith, and love uh, in the school. And we are seeing it happen already. So first report, the door is wide open. We've stepped through it, and we're watching people experience God's love and life change on the beach. From the school, outside the school, I'm thinking of a young man in particular. I'm thinking of another young woman that this week is making connection with us. So it's happening right now. There's the first word. Second word, core. Would you say cool, exciting, faithful core? Cool, exciting, faithful core, because that's what we've got at Miami Beach. Shout out to Pastor Jacob and all of our beachers that are over there today, live streaming with us right now. Cool, exciting, faithful core. So I want to say way to go, Pastor Jacob, way to go, team. We've got 60 strong, cool, exciting, faithful core who are bringing their love, their vision, their passion, their obedience into the will of God and our tip of the spear leading the way for us. And I want to say, I think you're awesome. I think the example you have been setting and, and the preparation you've been making is amazing. And I want to say thank God for you. And then let you know that also as you are... Uh, expressing part of what makes Christ's journey great through all of these years of our existence. We've seen it at Kindle Campus, where the tip of the spear leaders form core and then commitment that goes the distance, bringing love and faith and passion and vision to Kindle Campus. Pastor Ralph, Kindle Campus, we love you, we feel you. We're remembering you today and asking God's blessing. Miami Beach Campus, same way. They're doing it right now. And then Gables Campus, Stepping up saying, it's because people who have been there before us have made a way so that we could be here today, rolling our sleeves up to love our neighbors. Third word, more. More. What am I talking about now? 
Well, God has given us a wide open door as a church family. We've got a tip of the spear, faithful core that is establishing the beachhead for the kingdom ministry that we're going to be part of there. What am I talking about now? Well, it's not facility. Let me assure you of that. We've got an incredible facility that our team knows how to transform into a life-changing ministry opportunity, and they've been doing it. Way to go. The live streaming equipment is up. The furnishings are present. We've got, and it's not the furnishings or the furniture. That install is done and already we're making it happen right there. Uh, and allowing us to be one church, Christ's journey, in several locations, Kindle, Gables, Miami Beach, and Church Online, all because of the equipment. It's not the equipment or the, or the uh, and it's not funding. Bet you didn't see that one coming. Oh, what do we need more of? Always money. No, no, no. Our generosity is underwriting this, and over the break, we got a non-solicited five-figure gift put in the pot by somebody we didn't even know was paying attention to us and said, I believe in doing that. I want to contribute to that. So I'm not going to ask you for more money. I, what I want to ask you for, uh, you know what we need more of is more core in our vision family. We need more exciting, faithful, cool core members who are saying, God, if you can use me, would you? So my God-sized prayer today, my prayer of faith is, God, would you double that core of 60 to make it 120, just like in the upper room? Or my mountain-moving prayer, we sang about moving mountains earlier, it would be, God, would you triple that? Would you give us 130, or 180, excuse me, 180 to... Uh, to be tip of the spear leaders who said we want to take the passion and love that we've experienced and we want to reach as many as possible as soon as possible. Our commitment there is to launch a weekly Sunday, week-by-week ministry, but not before we have that strong, impassioned core that God will bless in helping us for the long term. So God's more people is what I'm praying for. Are you one of God's more people? How would you know? How would you know if you're a God's more person? Well, I would tell you, you've probably been praying something like this. God, do you have more for me? You know, I need more than what we're getting. I need more. And maybe you've even thought about looking somewhere else to find it. God, I just need more. I need, I feel like I've gotten stagnant. I feel like I'm sort of stuck. I need more in my life. If you're listening to me, would you, could you do more with my life? If you've been praying like that as the new year rolled over, then you might be one of God's more people, and he's saying he's going to surprise you today and say, I've got more for you, but I'm going to create capacity so that you can contain it. And to get there, you're going to have to step out of where you've been, and you're going to have to step up to the opportunity before you, and I will meet you there, and we will watch the waters part once again. If God is calling you, and you have sensed dissatisfaction in your soul. I'm talking to our longtime Christ Journey people. And you've been coming and you've been sitting and you've been staying and you've been saying, is there more? Then I'm thinking maybe God's meaning and purpose for 2020 for you is joining an envisioned, impassioned team to make a difference for people who said, would you come? Would you pray with me? There are connect cards, don't look now, but they're in the back seat backs before you. And if you have sensed God's stirring and you would say, Lord, I've prayed prayers like that, and is this the answer? 
then you're not committing anything. You're just saying, I'm listening, God. But you put your name, your contact information, and the word more, Miami Beach, on that card, and we'll join you in that prayer and see what more God has for you as a growing disciple for the future. So brother, sister, Kendalls, Gables, you hear me? Miami Beach, we're not ignoring you. We're one church, many locations, and God is calling us to say, we want to help this thing have the strongest launch possible. Maybe that's your next step today. For somebody else, Maybe you're on the front end and you would say, you don't, you don't fully understand why, but you have a sense that this is the day that God wants you to take a step closer to him. And that closer step could be this prayer I'm about to offer. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins and increase my capacity to experience you and your purpose in my life as I turn from my way of living to learn to follow you and go your way. I open my heart to you now and receive you by faith. Now our heads bowed just for a moment longer, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, then wherever you're joining us, I'd like for you simply to lift your hand for a moment and allow me to ask God's blessing upon your next steps forward. Online, you'll see a place where you can let us know we're watching and praying right now. Amen. Thank you. To my right, toward the back, here in the middle, toward the front, on my right, again, toward the back, right here. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Lord Jesus, we pray for every person who by uplifted hand is saying, I want more, and I'm open to you to bring it to me in Jesus as my Savior and as my leader. Lord, I pray right now that they would sense your blessing upon them, the lightness of being that comes from the transfer of their burden to you, and the fullness of energy that comes as your Spirit comes alive in them. Help us now to take this walk together as we make it in your name. Amen.